0: Anyway, hope you guys are all enjoying your night. Hopefully you guys are all uh, feeling a little, it just feels a little wacky. It's a Wednesday, but it feels like it should be a Friday or something. It's just a, it's a, interesting vibes all throughout the day. Interesting vibes in the station. I don't know if it's like starting off with Ken and Jason Lloyd, where, you know, Ken and Jason just got a little bit of a wackiness. Anytime Jason's in, it just sounds a little bit different because Jason's different than Lima, obviously. But you can tell it has it just has Ken feeling a certain way, and then Spencer and Nick. I thought that was some it was some good fun radio. That's all that was. That was five hours of fun right there. And it just it feels like the stations had a it's a different vibe today, just a little bit of a different vibe, and I kind of like it for a Wednesday on February seventh. I don't know that I love it for every day of the week, but for February seventh, I I was digging what was going down today. Hope you guys were as well. Uh, just kind of a ho hum day for me, all things considered. But we got a Cavs game tonight. We've got a lot of NFL to get to, and we have some Browns news to discuss. Browns actually making moves, actually making changes. And you guys know my initial thoughts on Andy Dickerson, and maybe if you don't, that's okay too. It's not like I've been voicing Andy Dickerson takes every single day for three weeks. My initial take on Andy Dickerson was smart guy, Tufts University, which not a – I mean, it's not Ivy League, but it might as well be Ivy League. It's very – it's considered to be a very, very – reputable, high intelligence school. I think it's also, is that the school Elaine went to in Seinfeld? I think she went to Tufts. I think that was like one of the things with Tufts. I might be wrong on that. Don't quote me on that one. Smart guy. All the photos I saw from the first go-around when we interviewed him to be the offensive coordinator, he had that Kyle Troop, Bob Ross haircut, the white man's afro thing going on. And uh, I just think anybody with that type of haircut, probably a character. We just be honest about it. They're probably a character, and so I, I don't know. I, it's tough because I we have no track record of Andy Dickerson. Some people wanted to say that he's part of the Sean McVay coaching tree. Okay, because he coached with the Rams. Is that is that all that makes it, you're you're part of the coaching tree now? I think we got to figure out what exactly the coaching tree is and how we can move forward with the coaching tree. It's like how Kevin O'Connell and uh, is like a part of the uh, McVay coaching tree as well. It's like okay. So are people under Kevin O'Connell then? Are they part of the the Sean McVay coaching tree? Or are they part of the... It doesn't make sense to me. makes no sense to me. Trying to figure that out is ridiculous. But here's what I like. Here's what I don't like. I'm going to start with the positives, and then I'll try to break it down a little bit more. The positives, I like that he's worked with Ethan, uh, Ethan Posick before. Ethan Posick was in Seattle, and obviously this is where Andy Dickerson is coming from. I like that setup because if you have an offensive line where you know Joe Patonio is great, you know Wyatt Teller is great, you know Jack Conklin is great, and then you can play with the assumption that Dewan Jones is going to be at least good at worse. So I, a lot of the offensive line is figured out. There are two parts of this offensive line that you got to really ask yourself what the hell is going on. It's left tackle with Jedrick Wills, And then it's the center situation with Ethan Posick. And I like Ethan. I think he's a pretty good player. I think he was pretty good a year ago. Obviously, he had his ups and downs this year. You paid him the money, he's going to be your starting center. Him being in the same spot as Andy Dickerson, and then when I I searched out quotes from Andy Dickerson, Ethan Posick was the person that was legitimately talking about how much he loved him as a coach. That can only be a good thing. If I'm just connecting some of these easy dots – and we've done this all the time and we do this all the time. Connecting some of the easy dots kind of makes it seem like Ethan Posick uh, being in Seattle at the same time as Andy Dickerson, them forging that relationship, and them now being on the same team is not a coincidence. The center position matters a ton in the NFL. Getting that part right matters a ton in the NFL. And I feel like that might be part of this equation. Now let me, let me get to the bad part. And again, I, I don't know Andy Dickerson from Adam. I don't know him from anyone. I, I, I've never met the guy. It's not like a type of hire where you can find out all sorts of people that have ever dealt with him, all sorts of instant reaction. You're flying a little blind. My biggest takeaway, he looks like Bob Ross, okay? So just play with that being a, a, a really lightweight understanding about what the hell this man is or isn't before I go and eviscerate him, okay? It feels like another one of the hires that fits into the group of guys that all might, you know be a quarter zip away from uh, being part of the Kevin Stefanski collection at Nordstrom, okay? I, it, it, just, it feels like one of those hires, he's goofy, he's odd, he's really smart. I believe in hiring smart people. I don't always just blindly hire smart people and then let that be what it is, though. You're still putting together a football team. It's not Google. When Pete Carroll promoted him in 2022, he said, quote, he's smart, very intelligent. Got no problem with that, but if what you needed to replace was football guys, I don't know that they've done it with both of these hires that they've had so far. I railed on the offensive coordinator decision with Ken Dorsey for a lot of reasons. I thought Dorsey could be that football guy. We all listened to his press conference. Either he's a bad actor or he legit is just like a Stefanski clone. I get it. You see what clearly impresses the people here in Cleveland, and it's not a bad way to approach things, but Stump Mitchell was a guy's guy. Stump Mitchell was a football lifer. That is a, that's just a badass. Stump Mitchell is just, he's that guy. Alex Van Pelt seemed like the type of guy that you want to have a beer with. They had guys that could get the the message through to people. I, I wonder if they have that now the same way. And I, I'll give them a lot of credit. I really will. You, I mean, you can't have that, that hairstyle and not have some personality. People that go with the white afro typically have personality. They're kooky characters. They really are. I'm not saying I trust any of them, uh, but they're characters, so maybe he can cut it loose. I know enough smart people to understand they can have the best senses of humor and the best social butterflies you could imagine. My wife went to an Ivy League school. She's Ivy League educated. She's very, very smart. And one thing about her, she's also the best social person I've ever met in my life. Loves chopping it up with just about anybody and anybody. She'll make jokes. She'll hang out. She just, she loves it. She eats off of it. She lives for it. Like, you know, I've, I've always wondered about, uh, so myself, I, I, I tend to deal with some, some ups and downs in life in different ways, right? But I, I am one of those people that in social situations, the energy around just, it, it just gets sucked out of me. I just, I can't do social situations in a, I mean, I can do them. I've been doing them my whole entire life. I'm, I'm, I'm good at them, but they take a lot of energy for me to be out in social situations. They do. I'm just drained afterwards, right? My wife, if she doesn't, it's like an iPhone battery charger. If she doesn't get social situations, her, her her charge is on empty. Like, she feeds off that. Some people feed off of that type of stuff. So I don't want to just pigeonhole Andy, Andy, uh, almost an Andy Dick there. That's not his name. That's a different Andy, uh, Andy D. This is Andy Dickerson. I don't want to pigeonhole Andy Dickerson into being this guy that he isn't. I don't want to say just because you're smart, you can't go and have beers with the fellows and you can't be a sociable guy. You can't be that what Albert Breer dubbed as a glue guy for Alex Van Pelt. I'm going to bet, though, if you're trying to fit into to Kevin Stefanski's inner circle and apparently they're just hiring a bunch of a bunch of Kevin Stefanski meets Paul De Podestas, If you're going to go down that road. Kevin Spansky's not social at all by by any account that we have as far as for being uh, going, being a guy that would light up a room. Like, that's just not who he is. He lacks charisma. I hate to put it that way. I don't mean it as an insult. Not everybody's got it. He lacks charisma. And I feel like if they're going to hire people that try to, you know, fit into their boxes, they're going to end up with a room full of smart people, a room full of really intelligent people that don't know how to convey the message to the really, really important football players that they need to convey the messages to. I feel like collectively our offensive staff would do a great job running Yahoo or Google or working in Silicon Valley. I don't know that that's necessarily a compliment. Stump Mitchell was a football guy's football guy. Alex Van Pelt, football guy's football guy. Bill Callahan. All you ever heard about Bill Callahan is what a hard-ass he was and how awesome he was to be around and how much the players loved him. Like Stefanski's shortcoming as a head coach, and for my money, is the fact that he's not very interesting. I don't think he's very relatable to players in the slightest bit, and I don't need my head coach to be that relatable. But if you're not going to be relatable, you got to have guys that are going to be that. And so it just kind of concludes another round of interviews and another round of hirings on this offensive staff as it looks like we've basically turned over Every person that is extremely interesting and connect with and can, uh, connect with players and replaced them with guys that, as of right now, based off of first impressions and first impressions alone, don't seem to be the Stump Mitchells of the world, don't seem to be the Bill Callahans of the world. Listen, I have no problems hiring someone to give them their first opportunity in a role like this, like they're doing for Andy Dickerson. I have no problem with that. But maybe look around the room and see exactly what you're trying to replace. Alex Van Pelt, 40 years of football experience. Stump Mitchell, 40 years of football experience. JC McCartney, Bill Callahan. Scott Peters left today, the assistant to Bill Callahan. Basically what we thought was going to be the the replacement there. And you can tell what happened there. It's it's, it's clear as the day is long. Van Pelt obviously wanted him in in New England, but he thought he was going to get the promotion here. Didn't get the promotion. Bailed to New England after he found out that they went with a young up-and-coming, smart, toughs educated coach instead. I just worry about these type of things. You guys know, I always put a premium on on intelligence. I like it. I value it. I told you, my wife uh, went to an Ivy League school. Clearly, in choosing my life partner and the person I married and the person I'm going to spend the rest of my life with, I chose somebody that isn't brain-dead, okay? Like, I I chose intelligence there. I chose beauty and everything, too. She's a wonderful person all the way around. But I chose intelligence. She's a very smart individual, and I like that about people. I think intelligence is a great asset to have. I just look around football teams and have been around football teams too long. You can't just be intelligence. We're not running Google. We're not running Yahoo. We're running a football team. You got to have the guys that will get in the trenches. You got to have the guys that will be able to communicate and be able to understand how to relate to the players, not the guys that they look at and say, oh, oh, toughs, oh, 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 So you're one of those guys. You're 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 going to bring me a bunch of spreadsheets and tell me how to play football, aren't you? Because that doesn't work for everybody. Might work for some of the players. Doesn't work for everybody. to below ninety two. That was my first blush reaction of what happened today, though. I, I knew they had to make a move. I got it. You got it. I was surprised that it wasn't Scott Peters. I was surprised that instead they went for the kid out of Seattle, that was smart, that is very very highly educated. And that uh seems like everything that I wouldn't have gone with in a hire if that is exactly who he is. Hopefully he can have the the charisma of a Bill Callahan, have the energy attached to everything that Stump Mitchell and Alex Van Pelt and all these other guys were able to bring to the table. Cause I, I just don't know that the Browns will have that on the offensive side of the ball. Two one six four seven four to below ninety-two. Where I want to start with you guys though, with this hire. Can the offensive line keep it together? And Ross Tucker made a proposal. And listen, I like Ross. He says some wild things from time to time. I think that's why they enjoy having him on. I don't disagree here. This one wasn't out of pocket in my mind. We'll play that and more. It's overtime with Jonathan Peterwan here with you on The Fan. When it comes to this move, listen, I, I'm not sure that I can necessarily co-sign this because it, it just doesn't feel right one way or another. I can only look at what people's profiles are. I'm not I'm not there in Seattle. All I've done is read about him. All I've done is try to figure out the best I can about him. I don't know. Maybe he's the world's greatest communicator. Maybe he's a hard-nosed, down-to-earth, big-time football guy. But I'm just looking around at the profiles of everyone in and around this Browns team and it just it reeks Ivy League, high educated, smart People, and that's fine. I appreciate smart people. I have no problem with that. Tufts is not the Ivy League for whatever it's worth as well, but it's just as close to the Ivy Leagues as you can get. That is one of the top 10 schools in America. It's a very impressive uh, educational institution. It's very impressive, and I would imagine Andy Dickerson falls into that same boat, same line of thinking that a lot of these guys at the Browns seem to hire do. I, I, just, I wonder if we need to mix it up with a little bit more of the old-school football guy because I'm looking at what you're missing out on and what you're letting go. And Alex Van Pelt, Stump Mitchell, Bill Callahan, those type of guys, they're old school football guys. And, and Kevin actually brings up a great point. Kevin on Twitter, Twitter reactions brought to you by and Jewelers, Cleveland's premier jewelry store. He says, what about Deuce Daly? Yes, Deuce Daly is exactly what I'm talking about. I'm not saying they're absent of football guys on there. But I'm saying if Deuce Staley's your replacement for Stump Mitchell, as far as for being a hard-nosed good old-school football guy, we might have a little bit more work to do. But it's the right direction because Deuce Daly, football guy, but he's also an extremely highly intelligent individual as well as evidenced not only by the amount of time he's been in the NFL but evidenced by the fact that, uh, did you know Deuce Daly created a drill to enhance players' footwork that was so good? It's called the Deuce Daly drill. It's a practice drill. It was so good, they put it into the scouting combine a couple years ago. Like the man knows what he's doing. He's not an idiot. Now, listen, I'm not saying they have to hire a bunch of bird brains. Now, that's not what I'm advocating for. I like the idea that they're skewing towards smart. I really, really do. I just think the, the part of what made this Browns team work when Kevin Stefanski's in charge, Kevin Stefanski, very smart, is the idea you had to balance it out with the yin versus the yang. Like Dan Campbell, for instance. Dan Campbell, I think, is wildly underrated for how intelligent he actually is. But well, you wouldn't know it because Dan Campbell goes up to press conferences and talks about biting kneecaps and hides his intelligence and is more about bonding with the players than anything. I'm not suggesting you have to hide your intelligence. That would be stupid. Someone's like, hey, uh, Andy, you a smart dude? And he's like, actually, I dropped out of community college. You don't have to do that. It's okay. Like, it's fine. You can, t- you can say you went to a-, a smart school. You can be proud that you went to a smart school. It's not a reflection of him. It's more reflection of them trying to figure out this coaching staff and putting it all together and hiring a bunch of people that are just like themselves. It's fine. It happens everywhere in life. You hire people that remind you of yourself. You like people that remind you of you. It's it's, it's how life operates. I get it. We've done a lot of different studies on the biases attached to everything I'm talking about. Andy Dickerson felt like the hire that Kevin Stefanski would make if Kevin Stefanski was making a hire. And maybe that means something. Maybe all of a sudden Savansky's got some say in it. But I kind of wanted—I kind of wanted that—that—that that, that football players, football player type guy. I kind of wanted that guy. And I know offensive line is very important, and it matters a ton. You got to get it right. And by all accounts, Andy Dickerson has an opportunity to be a good coach. I think the Ethan Post-it connection is probably what got him over the finish line, though both of them spending time in Seattle. I saw quotes on the internet earlier today and trying to read up on on everything I could, Andy Dickerson, and it was posting just being so complimentary and talking about how smart and intelligent he thought Andy Dickerson was and how he truly respected him. That's got to be the, the first thing that Andy Dickerson talked to the Browns about and the Browns talked to him about because our offensive line has some issues. There's no doubt about it. It also has some positives, but one of the question marks would be what happens at center with Ethan Posting because he's going to start. He's going to have an opportunity, but it can be can he be more like last year as opposed to this year? And obviously, there's some health factors at play there as well. All right, two one six four seven four to below ninety two. Callahan leaving had the timing of a Zoom call. It, it gave off to me the impression that the offensive staff was jumping ship at a time when let's be honest, if you stopped having belief in Deshaun Watson then this offseason would have gone down the way that it has. Firing Alex Van Pelt, firing Stump Mitchell is one thing. Watching Bill Callahan leave, and then the top assistant for Callahan walk out the door as well. If they wanted a new look, this is certainly a new look. But I keep going back to something in my head. Keep playing with that idea. The idea that Callahan got to leave and then, uh, you know, rejoin his son shouldn't say rejoin, A weird way to put that. Join his son's coaching staff. I'm a father now, so you never leave your child. That's not, that's my, my thinking there. The weird part about it to me is that he got away and the Browns got nothing in return. And around the league, people were celebrating the move as if to say, good job, Browns. You did the right thing. You let a father coach with his son. You let a dream come true. It's like when O'Bron wants to one day play with Bronny, and then Bronny's going to be taken dead last in the second round. I don't know that he's going to be taken anything higher than I what, – what is Bronny being taken in the draft right now if he goes? I don't think it's anything higher than dead last in the second round as of right now, okay? I mean, I'm mean, – I don't watch much USC basketball, so maybe it's better than that. I have not seen much from the people that talk about these type of things to suggest he's a lottery pick, okay? What happens? Like, oh, the Lakers took Bronny because they want to keep LeBron happy. Okay, yeah, that's a thing. It happens. It's a cool life story. There's no doubt about it. It's a cool life story. But there's one thing that kind of remained puzzling to me out of the whole ordeal. A week prior to Bill Callahan being able to leave and get out of his contract and and go ahead and and join the Titans staff, we kept talking about the compensation. We kept talking about what the Browns would get back if they had the opportunity to actually trade Bill Callahan instead of giving him up for nothing. And then the 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 news came and went, and we got nothing out of it. And I thought to myself, well, that's a little suspect. How did we go from potentially getting a second or a third-round pick or something really, really valuable? And I don't know if a second or a third was too high, but we were going to get something really valuable out of Bill Callahan, and then all of a sudden we just let him go for a song. How did we get there? Ross Tucker on Afternoon Drive earlier today. Here we go.
1: I said this with the guys a couple weeks ago, I thought the Browns should have asked the Titans for a draft pick on Bill Callahan, and I still feel that way. I think it's a very, very important position. If he wants to be with his son, totally understandable, totally get it. This is professional football. This is not like, oh, okay, well, your son's in seventh grade, and he's on that little league team, okay, well, you can be the cut. No, what are we talking about here? He was under contract with the Browns. The Browns should have gotten some type of draft pick. That smells to me like one of those where the owners don't want to set the precedent of having a position coach ever be traded for a draft choice I don't care I, I wouldn't have not have let Bill Callahan just go he's under contract I would have tried to get some compensation and I do think it's interesting that evidently they did not want Scott Peters, who I think is signing with New England instead, that's interesting because I think Peters had been there with Callahan for a couple of years, and yet, I don't know, based on whatever it is that the Browns saw, they felt like going outside of the organization would be better than promoting him.
0: And that's the other part of this. It wasn't that you just lost one, you lost both. I don't know if Peters and Callahan were tied at the hip. To me, what it sounded like, and this is just me just reading between the lines here, because I don't think Peters was chasing after Alex Van Pelt necessarily. Uh, To me, and I just, uh, you know, this is just, I've just watched enough people get passed over for promotions in life. I understand that this is a thing that you want to make somebody mad, pass them over for a promotion, see how they handle it. I I, I mean, that's just, that's kind of how life works. I've just, I've watched it happen to enough people it's never it's never a pretty thing when somebody thinks they deserve something and then they don't end up getting it. And so with Peters, I just, I just, to me it was simple. He thought he was getting the offensive line gig. They gave it to Andy Dickerson, and then all of a sudden he's out the door. He's like, all right, well, screw you guys. I'm going to go help out Alex Van Pelt instead, and uh, good luck with that one. So it's not just losing Bill Callahan. It's also losing another part of the offensive line, and for my money, an important part of this offensive line and offensive line staff. I think they're in a good enough situation. I really, truly do. I think they're in a good enough situation where it's not really dependent on whether or not they keep the offensive line coaches to keep this thing moving because the same thing I told you when Bill Callahan left remains true. Joel Batonio, Wyatt Teller, Jack Conklin aren't just going to forget how to play football. They've been doing this too long. But I do think it matters when we talk about Dewan Jones. I think it matters when we talk about Jedrick Wills. And I think it matters about some of these other guys. I listen, it's not like the Browns have a million draft picks to be playing with. We have one. Sorry. We have two draft picks by the time round five starts. That's it for this upcoming year. And I don't know what the I don't know if the Titans would have given us something for this season. I don't know if it could have been a fourth or a third or a second or whatever it would have been but when we have two draft pick selections in the first four rounds of this draft we're hurting for picks we could take anything we can get so why weren't you out there why are you treating this like it's seventh grade pee wee football and saying oh yeah of course Johnny wants to play with his dad so go ahead hey go over there you what are we doing here of course you get to you get to have the son coach relationship of course you do son father relationship that word, just, we're, not, we're treating this like it's not big business. We're treating this like it's not an NFL enterprise worth billions of dollars with a B. I like that Ross pointed that out. I thought a lot of people showed compassion, and they thought it was cool, and then we were all supposed to just kind of get on board with this being like a once-in-a-lifetime thing and how awesome this would be for a father and a son to experience this. But it is a business, and it, it, there's nothing stopping Bill Callahan when his contract runs out. To then going and being with his son at that given time, there's nothing that is stopping him from having those moments. You got to coach a little bit longer. Maybe you don't retire off to Siesta Keys as early as you'd like. But if you really care about that dream that much, then it'll be waiting for you. Uh, sorry that you're stuck making two to three million dollars a year with the Browns. Sorry, to below ninety two. Nelson and Avon Lake are gonna bat lead off for us here tonight. What's up, Nelson?
2: Uh, congratulations on your success with the Ivy Leaguer. I, I mean,
0: I knew you <laughs> married well, but I, I didn't realize it was that good. That I mean, really she's, good, she's a smart person. I care about intelligence, Nelson. I don't have to tell you. No, you're a smart guy yourself. But the Ivy Leaguer, dude, that's pretty serious
2: stuff. Like, you know, hey, listen, in all, in all seriousness, man, like I just don't know that the Browns were in a – the Browns were like in a no-win situation here, right? Like if if you – if you sit back and you say, Well, Calhoun, we're not gonna let you go unless we get a draft pick, then they're the organization that's not reward I don't want to call it rewarding, but like not not being fair to a guy who's been loyal to you for what, four years? Mm-hmm. Uh, five years almost, the Bill was with the Browns. And then if, if they if they don't, then they're in the position that they're in now, right? Where they look like the inept organization who let probably the premier, one of the premier guys in that position as a coach, go. Like, like, what do you do, right? Like, if, you know, if I'm the employer and, and my employee tells me, like, listen, I, I don't want to work here anymore, right? Like, I, I have an opportunity to do this with my son. I mean, am I going to keep the guy so it's disgruntled, right? I mean, I don't know. Like,
0: that, those are just my thoughts, man. But thank you for the time always, bro. Take thank care. you, Nelson, man. I do appreciate you, man, as always. You know, it's funny because when we brought this up like a week ago, man, who was doing updates now? You see, now my bird brain is creeping and I can't remember who was doing updates. And, and I just, I remember what, what, Jake, was it you? Were you the one that made the point? Very similar to that. Like, you didn't want to disgruntled. No, it was a big weej. It was the big weej. Big weej was like, you don't want a disgruntled employee. That's what he said. He said the same thing Nelson said right there. You don't want a disgruntled employee. You don't want to keep somebody that doesn't want to be there. You're making 2 to $3 million. If you're so upset, working for the Browns, chasing after a Super Bowl, if you're so upset because they won't let you do that, you might have bigger issues on your hand. I understand that side of things. I get wanting to do right by people as well, and I get it making it easier in the process long term if you do hire somebody to be like, yeah, listen, we treat people great. And I defended Andrew Barry that day. I did. I said, Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski, say what you want about them, about you know, whatever you think about their coaching philosophy or, or even just being a GM in Andrew Barry's case. They're good people. At the heart of it, I know those two are good people. I know that. Like, there, there's a lot of people that have bad bones in their body and maybe aren't the world's greatest. Those are two what I believe to be genuine, good-hearted individuals. Football aside, I've never seen them make a decision that felt like they were stabbing somebody in the back. I've never once seen that the entire time they've been here. Never, not once. But I kind of agree with Ross. I do feel like this isn't Little League. This is not Pee Wee football. Like you at some point, if you're gonna let Bill Callahan live out those dreams, you gotta tell Brian I need something back in return. It is a business, after all. Two one six four seven four to below ninety two. All right, we come on back. Can Deshaun get back to being a top five to ten quarterback? Uh more on what Ross Tucker had to say in that regard. We'll talk a little bit about that. We'll get into a a Deshaun discussion. And then Daryl Ryder, our Brown's insider. Joining us coming up 25 minutes from now, it's Overtime with Jonathan Peterwin here with you on The Fan. Only thing I have on it is that, uh, what I f- always find interesting, is that, so my wife, she just never brings it up to people, ever. And, like, she doesn't have anything at her work that even uh, suggests that she went to an Ivy League school or anything like that. I'm like, I don't think you understand the difference. I went to Lindenwood University. Now, we're D1. When I went there, we were a, we were a small NAIA school uh that I, and obviously you know I was a I was a bowler there so bowling was a little bit different we you know we were we were playing with the big dogs but it, 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 again it was a small school it just was what it was right and so like I don't wear Lindenwood stuff or do anything like that because it's not no one's ever like hey Lindenwood wow you're you must be Einstein and no one ever thinks that way I was on a bowling scholarship it was what it was Lindenwood's so tiny Nick went talking about Lindenwood at 625 or whatever the hell it was today you didn't remember if it was a Lindenwood University, Lindenwood College, or Lindenwood anything in between. Like that's that's the type of school, okay? And so I've always had a, I've always been low key, a little jealous of people that went to bigger schools uh, for a couple of different reasons. One, I don't have a football or basketball team that I truly get to root for, though I get to bet on mine now, which is kind of cool. I, I do place bets on Lindenwood basketball because that's fun. Because I didn't have that when I was going to school there, and I think that's really cool. But, like, I, yeah, so with the football, basketball thing, but it, but then in, like, my wife's instance, it's just, like, it's all about being able to brag and being able to, to kind of put that up there at your desk. And then, I don't know, it's kind of cool. I tell her all the time, I'm like, you should be proud of it. You should embrace it. You should go full into that. And she just doesn't. She's just too humble of a person that way. She just doesn't do that. Uh, but anyway, that's the only reason why I bring it up is because I didn't want to I didn't want to make it seem like I'm ripping smart people in the process. Because I understand my whole take on it is maybe we're hiring too many smart people and not enough football people on the offensive staff. Like maybe we need a little bit more football people, little less uh little less Google, and a lot more maybe uh, you know, guys you can hang out with at the bar and drink some beers with and can relate to some of these players. And I didn't want it to seem like I I hate on intelligence because I, I think. Being smart is one of the greatest gifts you can have in life if you are actually smart. I think it's a it's an incredibly impressive thing. and uh, I you know it's just it's tough. It's tough because in most areas of life, I do live by that philosophy of hire smart people and get out of the way. That is something that I, I subscribe to uh, often in life. And if I was if I was running a business, okay, if I was running a business, that would basically be my philosophy. Hire smart people, Get out of the way. Let the smart people figure it out. All right? Let, let, let the smart people uh, find and navigate through whatever way they need to navigate through and then go from there. But I think the football world is so inherently different. And I think another thing you find out in life, and this is me, I'm 34. Not I'm not, you know, 64 with loads of experience, but I'm 34, so I wasn't born yesterday. At 34 years old, I've realized there's a, there's a million different ways to skin a cat. And it's why I think the ACT, SCT is such, it's just garbage is all it is, is because uh, how am I going to give kids a test that basically asks a giraffe how well they can climb a tree? Not everyone is smart in the ways that we tend to judge intelligence on that'll get you into one of those Ivy League schools. People are smart in different ways. I think there are people in the football world that are a combination of really, really high intelligence and also really great football people on top of it, but you'd think football person before you ever thought intelligence. Dan Campbell is a perfect example in my mind. Ask anyone that's been around Dan Campbell for five seconds. They'll tell you, what are you surprised the most about him? He's really intelligent. He's very, very smart. He's very with it. He puts on a show. He puts on an act because he wants to be one of the guys. He wants to be one of the players. He wants to fit along with everyone and get along with everyone. That man is smart. I don't think there are many successful NFL head coaches successful. I think there's been some dum-dums that got given the opportunity, and then, you know, they're just really big football guys, and it was what it was. Maybe they're not the smartest people in the world, and it didn't work out. But how many successful coaches do you know that you think are actually brain dead doesn't exist you got to be smart you have to be able to have that intelligence it's just the ones that mask it a little bit better than the other ones I feel like it tends to play better in the locker room Kevin Zavansky's smart we all know he's smart nobody's doubting that Kyle Shanahan is smart nobody's doubting that Mike McDaniel smart nobody's doubting that but you know what makes Mike McDaniel so great is that Mike McDaniel seems like he'd also smoke weed with you while being able to go over what is his favorite Air Jordan shoe of all time. He wears expensive watches on the sidelines. He raps and gets along with all the players as far as for understanding different techniques and different ways to to get and tap into their brains like he is That's that is somebody that I think is extremely intelligent and uses his intelligence in the right ways to connect with the players. Kevin Zavansky is really, really smart. Kevin Zavansky doesn't use his intelligence to connect with the players in my mind. Yeah, great. He comes on Ken and Anthony's show, and he wears Air Jordans to try to – because his kids tell him it'll make him look cool. That's not actually being uh, intelligent enough to navigate your way to how to connect to players. And I'm not saying just wearing Air Jordan shoes does that. They know. They can sniff this out a mile away, whether or not you're the type of guy – that they can bond with, that they can get along with, or whether you're the type of guy that at the end of the day is going to say, I don't think you're good enough because the spreadsheet told me you're not. You know, if I'm a player, I want to know that pro football focus isn't your North Star. I want to know that uh, reading the different spreadsheets that Paul Podesta give out isn't the only thing that you're invested in. You want to be able to tell a player's great because you've been playing football or you've been watching football for 30 years and this is what you know to be true. That's what, I, that's what I think. And so I think the best coaches have that that blend, that mix. Andy Reid, I think, is wildly intelligent. Nobody thinks of Andy Reid as anything more than a walrus that likes cheeseburgers, okay? You you, you like his fun Hawaiian t-shirts. You like him on the on the commercials he does with Patrick Mahomes. Let me get them nuggies. Like you, that's what you like about Andy Reid. You know, no one thinks Andy Reid is some sort of savant. No one's ever asked Andy Reid to coach a college class on anything other than football. But you know what? Andy Reid is incredibly smart. Gets along with the players, understands the players, and also knows how to incorporate everything that he needs to incorporate. There's a lot there. There's a lot there. I don't know about this Andy Dickerson. I don't know. Time will tell. Maybe he's everything I'm describing and then some. I'm just looking around, and we got a lot of guys that seem to fit the Kevin Stefanski box on the offensive side, and I don't know that they did a good enough job replacing what I believe to be smart people that are football people. Alex Van Pelt is a football person. You know? Stump Mitchell is a football person. These type of guys, they just, they just, you know, they. Bill Callahan is a football person. They're not a dime a dozen. Really smart football people. All right. I did want to play a clip for you guys from uh, from Ross because yesterday we were talking a little bit about Brian Billick, and Brian Billick had mentioned how he thought the athleticism was going to carry Deshaun Watson into being, you know, back to being a top 5 to 10 quarterback. And, and I disagreed with the premise, the idea that athleticism is the reason why. Look around the NFL. Everyone is athletic. Anthony Richardson is the most athletic quarterback we've seen at the Combine in years. He wasn't unanimously number one overall. And the part that scares me about Deshaun and athleticism is that I think that part of his game is going to be neutered this season in a way that might make a lot of people uncomfortable when it's all said and done. He is a great running quarterback. So is Josh Allen until Josh Allen hurt his shoulder and was out here making business decisions to not run the ball a ton. Third and two needing a first down, he had the green light. Anything else, and the Bills were turning him into a statue back there. Limited his mobility. Sean is one bad hit away from having another season that he just can't afford to lose. I don't hate the idea that he can get back to being 5-10 to 10 in the league, though. And Nick asked our buddy Ross whether or not he thought Deshaun Watson could become a top-10 quarterback again this year. Here we go. 1-10. to 10. How confident are you Deshaun Watson will, not can, but will be a top-10 quarterback again? Two?
1: I don't have a lot. I mean... Even if you told me he would be 100% healthy for the whole season, I think it would be debatable. But coming off of two different throwing arm injuries, I would say not very confident. And it might happen. I said, I think the Chiefs would beat the Niners seven or eight times out of ten. Well, maybe it's one of the other two or three. And maybe Deshaun Watson does it. But I don't envision it.
0: A two is a tough look. That's a tough look. I heard something the other day said the beginning of a trend is like an alarm. The closer you are, the more likely you are to hear it. I think the Deshaun discourse is going to work in reverse of that. I I think we'll be the last ones, us locally here in our Cleveland uh, bubble. I think we're going to be the last ones to know when to say the goose is cooked, when to say that Deshaun isn't Deshaun, because we don't want that to be the reality. Some national people are already clearly waffling. You got Billick on one side saying he's going to be great because of his athleticism, and then you have Ross Tucker saying, A two is where his confidence level is at, and Deshaun being uh, a top-ten quarterback once again. And the two, he only puts out there to give himself a little bit of leeway in case it actually happens, which tells you he's not 100% convinced. Take it to the bank. Deshaun will never be the same. There's an opening there. But I do wonder if us as Browns fans, usually when you're close to something, you'll be able to sniff it out. I wonder if us as Browns fans are going to be the last one to find out when exactly Deshaun Watson is never going to be Deshaun Watson again. We have two years of experience with him under our belt. The third year is so critical for so many different reasons. we got to see him play a complete season, though, and then we got to be able to see what we have while he actually is able to have a complete season. All right, guys, the offseason moves have just begun in Berea, and the NFL awards are Thursday night. uh, That is tomorrow night. Trust Daryl Ryder and Andy Baskin every step, throughout the offseason, during the podcast that they have. It's called It's Always Game Day in Cleveland. Subscribe now, 923thefan.com, or on the Odyssey app. Odyssey app, excuse me, one half of that group. It's Always Game Day in Cleveland. Daryl Ryder, our Browns insider, going to join us next. It's Overtime with Jonathan Peteland, here with you on The Fan.